Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Secret Library Podcast. I'm Caroline Donahue. As a lifelong book lover, I've been hanging out with books as long as I can remember. Here on the show, we're going inside the world of books and learning what's involved in going from brilliant idea to finished manuscript and what it takes to get it out in the world. You'll hear from authors, publishers, editors, and all kinds of professionals whose work brings you what you read every day. The Secret Library Podcast is sponsored by Muse Monthly, a subscription box for literature and tea lovers. Get a brand new novel custom paired with a full box or tin of tea on your doorstep every month. Visit musemonthly.com and use the code SECRET00, all one word in all caps, for 10% off your subscription. Welcome to another episode of the Secret Library Podcast. Today, my guest is Erin Jordan, MFA. She is a Los Angeles-based writer and teacher. She's the founder of memoirclass.com, LLC, the premier educational source for writing from personal experience on the web. She's the recipient of a 2007 Jurassic Resident Artist Fellowship and a 2009 Gentle, uh, Gentle Foundation Artist Residency. She teaches memoir, writing from personal experience, classes to private clients, workshop groups, um, multi, how do you say it? MOOCs? Uh, MOOCs. Yes. MOOCs. And through her website at memoirclass.com. So welcome, Erin. And thank you so much for coming on. We wanted to talk today. I'm really into something that Erin teaches, which is called stunt journalism. And I think we want to start by just talking about stunt journalism. Her shortest definition that she provided is, we're looking to improve and hone our view of ourselves and the outside world through kindness and strength. So let's talk a little bit about stunt journalism and what that is. I think people will be curious to know. Well, I I think there's a quote that's been um, traveling around and become very popular by Eleanor Roosevelt, which is do one thing every day that scares you. And basically what stunt writing is, is how to overcome go-to habits and old ways of thinking. Um, Things that no longer serve you, things that are calcified for you, and how to shift your point of view by experiencing something, by focusing on something and then experiencing actual actions or actual um, things out in reality that you're doing. So it's not just thinking, it's usually doing something and then writing about it. So cool. So it's like an experiment and I have taken Aaron's class, so I know a little bit about this, but I think for those listening, it's like coming up with a project or something, doing something every day that scares you could be one or just doing something outside of your regular realm of experience and then writing about that experience. Mm -hmm. It's a framework. 
or you could call it a method for overcoming obstacles. Um, I've taught it as a five-week class where we go through defining the stunt. You pick three different stunts you're going to do. You set up parameters for how you're going to perform that stunt. Um, you write before you actually do your stunt and after you do your stunt. And then basically you create a findings document, which could involve artwork or cartoons or just straight out writing or something that's edited. Um, we tend to go through a lot of maps, videos, readings, and writing prompts to figure out um, how you are accessing that subject that's triggering you or bothering you. Yeah. It's, and I think one thing that you said in sending me information to you to, to reflect on it is it's important to remember that it is not jackass the show. No. <laughs> that it's not trickery or pranking or just doing crazy stuff. It's more looking at something in your life, like a subject you want to explore from your own experience and then going out and doing things and then writing about that feeling. And I think that's a big reason I wanted to have you on is I think a lot of the writing we've been talking about on here has been fiction writing. Mm -hmm. And I think getting into lived experience, personal experience, memoir and nonfiction is something that is a huge part of writing and books that are incredibly popular nowadays for good reason. Well, so I um, own uh, memoirclass.com and I teach memoir, but I'm always a little scared of talking about memoir because I feel like as if there are so many people who do it so brilliantly, whether it's Mary Carr or Jeanette Walls. Um, memoir, it's, it's such a loaded word. And it sort of sounds a little high-minded, like, oh, I'm writing my memoirs, you know, um, <laughs> and saying that in some sort of genteel voice. Um, you don't need a degree to write about your life, and you don't need to have had something crazy happen to you to write about your life. Um, everybody has, or I believe everybody has a story. Everybody has something that they need to communicate about their experience, and I believe that once you kind of step off from there, it, it just is amazing to me what people come up with. And so in teaching this class, especially, I mean, in person, but also online, I had over a thousand people from around the world um, all participating in this method, um, stunt writing and overcoming different obstacles. And I find it fascinating that what we think of here in California as something like, oh, yeah, you know, that Roosevelt quote about, you know, scaring yourself every day. We've heard that a million times. Perhaps when you go to Singapore or you go to the Middle East or you have somebody coming to you from Australia or from England, these ideas um, and how we are using them as a therapeutic modality or as an, ex an exploration um, aren't being, it's just simply not used um, overseas or even across the United States, small towns where people don't have access to this information. So what I found is that it's really fascinating how people take this framework and apply it to their lives and how different their lives can be and how it works almost in any situation, no matter what age you are or um, kind of where you're coming from. That's amazing. So I want to get to the nitty gritty a little bit. And so I think we have sort of the philosophical outline of what this is, but maybe mm -hmm. you could give some examples of ways people approached it or projects they came up with or stunts that they did so just to kind of concretize the idea a little bit. 
Well, so the way that it starts is that people get a, uh, I would say they go through a series of videos, they do some readings, they see some examples that I put out there as really brilliant ways of um, pushing themselves. But it's always interesting to see what comes out and what themes each class has. And the last class that I taught, that was in um, 2015 on, um, it's Canvas by Instructure. So it's their uh, learning network. And there was this huge push of people trying to, it was almost, maybe people had gotten a little bit of a whiff of Marie Kondo and the magic of tidying up. Right. But so many people were just trying to get rid of their stuff. And so I created an entire separate support group online for people who were trying to become minimalists and sharing oh. um, research and information about how to get rid of their things. And, but also coming up with exercises specifically for people who were going through old boxes. And that's where the writing prompt, the box came from, which is when you're unpacking something that you've been keeping in your psychological basement or in your physical basement, how, um, how you interact with that material and how many, how it's such a rich place to write from and to use things that you find as a writing prompt um, and going back through your memory. So that was one of them that came up a lot of, I came up with a, like a couple of series of categories that I tend to see over and over again. One is um, exercising. You know, I want to mm. exercise more. I want to deal with my health. I want to deal with my mental health. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to use a certain type of meditation. I'm going to do just Zen for this period of time. I've never done yoga. I'm going to try yoga for three times. Um, people who are searching for a way to kind of um, inhabit their body and experience writing about their body and sometimes their body issues. Um, I would say another one is fears. Uh, would be a second category. Um, people who are scared of public speaking, of eating by themselves, of talking to new people. A lot of people with social anxiety take classes online. And um, they would realize, hey, this is something I really want to be able to get over. They would put themselves specifically in situations um, right beforehand. What, what are their anxieties? What is going on there? Um, what actually happens? You know, so kind of breaking down that that those that cognitive dissonance and that those feelings of whether it's physical feel fear or fear of the possibility of what might happen, and almost every single time people are like, "It really wasn't that bad. Like, <laughs> I I can get over this. I can shift my perspective." One thing I have people do often is pretend to be a journalist. And you kind of frame that in terms of journalism um, in your introduction. You know, take a notepad, see how that kind of gives you a little bit of space between yourself and the situation you put yourself in. Or use that as a um, comfort or a tool for comfort. Um, so that's the second one is fears. Um, the third one is when people feel like as if they're in a bubble and they want to get out of their bubble. They want to expand their universe a little bit, um, or find a new skill. They want to get out of a rut. So coming up with a couple of different things that they can do that, um, is comfortable, but that they're not jumping off of buildings. You know, there wasn't an older lady in South Africa that wanted to learn parkour and, I was just like more power to you. <laughs> um, you know, just try not to hurt yourself because that doesn't do anybody any help. We're trying to 
get better and be more expansive without um, having an experience that might kind of force ourselves to, to stuff ourselves back in. Um, another one is practice. A lot of people have problems with um, keeping up a steady practice. So making a, um, making a deal with themselves to proceed on having a practice and that if they don't go through with their practice, whether it's writing every day or whether it is, um, I don't know, doing their gardening every day, um, talking to someone um, from their past, writing somebody a letter, um, that they will be kind of forced to do something they don't want to do, like give money to a presidential candidate that they hate, um, whoever that might be. <laughs> Or to a group. So just somehow trying to find motivation of keeping their practice through sometimes negative or really positive things. You get you get your piece of chocolate cake if you finish um, and follow through with your practice. Um, another one is what I call emotional spelunking. <laughs> so I think you've probably seen quite a bit of this, Caroline, of people who are like, there's this thing in the cave of my mind and I don't want to go there. But I feel yeah. like I should but I don't want to go there. Yeah. No, I think so. I think that makes a lot of sense because one thing that I see a lot that I think this practice would be an extension of, but back when I was studying photography and also doing this podcast, it's amazing how some sort of creative processes almost give you a passport into places you wouldn't be allowed to go otherwise. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'd like to come in my experience and photograph your hotel after people have left and before the rooms have been cleaned up. Well, that's really creepy unless you also say, I'm a photographer and I'm doing a project or, hey, you want to talk for an hour about the work you do? Well, no, I don't have that much time, but I have a podcast. Then people are willing to do it. And I think maybe in the interest of, oh, this is art, I'm going to look at this issue I have that I don't like. Maybe we allow ourselves access into ourselves more because it's a project. Totally brilliant. Absolutely. This idea of having a passport, having being a journalist, being an artist, having um, being on a personal quest. Um, suddenly when you package what you want to do, it it makes it more palatable to other people. And it also gives you a sense of being official. Like anybody can be a, um, can write an article for their blog and suddenly you are um, not an expert, but you're trying to put that into a format that makes it official. I agree with you. So emotional spelling I've had um, a woman who fictionalized or did not use people's names that comes up quite a bit um, in order to write about a student who had passed away, um, you know, perhaps being given up for adoption, um, dealing or confronting um, shame and issues that come from shame. Um, perhaps uh, I'm trying to think of some other specific ones, um, drug use, you know, alcoholism, um, but not that it even has to be something dark. It can be emotion, emotional spelling, the fact that you were incredibly wealthy, you know what I mean? Or that um, anything that might have a little bit of taboo in our society. And then the last one I just call miscellaneous, where somebody <laughs> just comes up with something and you're like, that is genius. I don't know where you came up with that, but you are taking this um, scaffolding that I've created that's meant to support people in terms of having a system and you've just taken it to a new level and that is so incredibly cool. And 
Um, that would be an example would be a woman who said she didn't want to nag her husband because she wanted to change the way she was communicating with her husband. So she took something off the table and really started to notice how they were communicating and how not nagging him changed the, their entire relationship, which in turn changed their family and wow. the way that everybody was kind of communicating with each other. Um, Somebody, there was somebody who was building a cabin, and I don't know where their Wi-Fi access was coming from, um, but writing about um, that experience of doing something physical. A lot of people work with tolerance, and they, they say, I am extremely intolerant on this issue. I meet people. I don't like them. How am I going to be more social in the future? And um, by putting themselves out a little bit, they usually come to the conclusion that um, – at least 75% of the interactions they're having could go better if they didn't walk into it believing that they disliked that person. Um, there was also a gentleman who went to three different kinds of houses of worship mm. and wrote about that. Um, so there's lots of places, you, lots of things that you can do that are in your local community. So you don't have to go far. You don't have to spend money. Um, and you don't have to put a huge amount of time into it. I think it's really more of a mental exercise. It's kind of uh, mental travel. Do you find, because I think this is so brilliant and I'm getting excited and wanting to do it again, just talking about it and hearing all of the different areas. Because of course you come up with your own stunt and don't think, oh, I never occurred to me to go to different houses of worship or to change dynamics in a relationship or anything else. Um, and I love the condo community. That's so awesome. Do you find that people do this project as like a one-off or are these people who are wanting to keep writing and this is a good way for them to start writing about their own experience. And then maybe they go on and say, I'm realizing that this thing about nagging my husband actually points to a larger issue about relationships in my life in general. And I think I want to write a bigger piece or do they tend to just stay there or keep doing other stunts? I'm just curious how it evolves. It's interesting because I think that when you teach that many people, everybody has a different response. So I think everything that you said has absolutely happened. I had one lady come back to me and tell me she was enlisting in the military. And I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> um, but that was part of her decision that she had been kind of dancing around. And she was like, finally... Um, after looking really deeply and, um, you know, doing my stunts, I've realized that that is the direction I want my life to go in. Um, I never feel responsible for anything people decide to do. It's really very hands-off and very freeform. I just kind of show people the way, the meandering of the river. <laughs> um, I've seen people become recommitted or kind of have very, like, I've seen a lot of people have um, kind of strikes of providence or moments of providence um, that are really deep and I think personal to them. I think out of an entire group, you really never know who it's going to hit. And I've definitely received a lot of responses that it's been life changing. And that is a really, really cool effect. That's awesome. To have on people. But really, I don't take any credit for that because that is you kind of get out of it what you bring to the table. Absolutely. Well, I think it just seems I'm curious about the ways that writing can change people's lives. Cause I think that's 
such an important sort of, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say side effect because it's more than that, but I think people are pulled to write and that isn't necessarily the reason why they just feel like I have something I have to say. And then as a result of saying it, their lives can change. Do you have thoughts about why that is or, or what happens? I kind of call it emotional barometric pressure, which is that we all have things inside of us that we can't see. You know, it's almost like weather. And there are certain things that um, we feel a need to communicate. There may not be words for it at that time. Or we may not be sure who to tell. Or we may not be sure what format that needs to take. And I think that... Um, whether, and I, I like people who will do a little bit of collage or do a little bit of mapping or feel free to work with uh, words and um, image in the class. But I do believe that um, in trying to get that feeling and that emotion out or finally pull up that memory, it usually is a chain effect towards other things. Um, but one thing I wanted to mention is that um, I, ha I, I am going to put up on my website some information about scent writing mm. so people can figure out if they want to do that. And also I have a free ebook called Spark and Flow, which has 10 free exercises. It's and, super cool too. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and I was going to put up samples of, I actually did the stunt writing along with the class for the last time I taught it. And I did a mind-body um kind of uh, stunts and uh, wrote about that. So I'll put that entire complete series up there so you can see a sample of what I came up with. Cool. And honestly, I have to say that even though I came up with the program, it's, I think sometimes other people actually utilize it in ways that are much cooler than I actually <laughs> utilize it. So, you know, you're, you're the teacher and the student and the student and the teacher. And I always learn things from the way that people use the materials, but I'm going to put that up at memoirclass.com backslash the secret library. So that'll be awesome. um, my mind body cert. Uh, series, that complete thing, um, the field guide to stunt writing, which kind of gives a little bit of an overview to what it is. And then also the email sign up for the free 18 page um, spark and flow creativity ebook with the exercises. Um, so I know you wanted to segue a little bit into how stories can be our storytelling can be um, a therapeutic modality. Yeah. And so the reason why I segued there was because of the fact that there is actually an essay at the beginning of the Spark and Flow ebook about cool. um, the LA Times and the New York Times and other major publications have been um, writing articles about the therapeutic effects of storytelling. And I pull a little bit um, from these articles in that essay. So... For instance, the New York Times, the health writer Tara Parker Pope has reported that studies have shown that writing about oneself and personal experiences can improve mood disorders, help reduce symptoms among cancer patients, improve a person's health after a heart attack, and reduce doctor's visits. Um, it's also purportedly helps to boost memory. That's amazing. It's why do we do they say why I'm so curious. I mean, it's enough of an argument to to work on writing, knowing that you get those benefits. But I'm so curious. 
why that is? Well, one woman I know, I'm trying to find the source, but that um, it says Maud Purcell from Fast Company. She's a psychotherapist and she's quoted in a 2015 article. She says that writing accesses the left hemisphere of the brain, which is analytical and rational. While your left brain is occupied, your right brain is free to do what it does best, which is create, intuit, and feel. In this way, writing removes mental blocks and allows us to use more of our brain power to better understand ourselves and the world around us. So that's a theory. I, I don't know if I specifically agree with that or if the um, psychotherapy community agrees with that, but it, it's a theory on how right brain, left brain works and how if you keep one side occupied, it allows the other side to kind of explore a little bit more. Um, but yeah, according to researchers, the benefits of a, having a writing practice is increased self-confidence, higher emotional intelligence increased mindfulness and a boost in memory and comprehension. So I think it's about having a positive writing practice. So definitely not writing over and over again. I hate the world and this is how it's really crappy. Or I'm such an idiot. (laughs) I'm such an idiot. I'm such an idiot. I'm such an idiot. Yeah, that's That's probably not going to do it. No, I think it has to do with trying to work with your point of view and not only go back to stories tell them, put them on the page, externalize your stories, no matter how good or bad they are. But once going through that process, that's something that you can crumple up, throw in the garbage, you can burn it. Um, You can say, I'm done with this. I've written it. I've put it away. And now it's something I'm not going to deal with any longer. Or perhaps it opens another door to dealing more deeply with a problem or a situation that you faced. Um. But also it kind of goes into gratitude journaling or trying to see a positive side to the things that are going on in your life, which I think has a a generalized effect of feeling more positive. That's true. Do you think it matters? Because I think on the one hand, you can get all of those benefits from just doing the writing practice. But what do you think happens... I think that there are a lot of issues that come up. I'm asking like nine questions at once. I'm going to get there. (laughs) There's a difference between writing fiction where, you know, you put it out in the world, say you publish it, you publish a short story, or you even just put something up on your blog or you self publish, or if you publish a novel with a publisher, you're putting something out there in the world that's fiction and, and nobody's sort of holding you accountable in the mm-hmm. same way as people do when you put nonfiction or personal experience writing out in the world. And do you find that it doesn't really matter if people share it or not, or if there's any increased effect if people do publish writing from personal experience and share it with others? That's an intriguing, that's like a three-part question. Yeah, I know. And, Sorry. And I'll tell you, I have listen to all the podcasts and read the books and, um, you know, obviously been in a writing program for a couple of years, you know, at the professional level. And I've never heard one person say that I wrote this book of fiction and it really helped me personally. Mm. Usually people say I wrote this fiction. It was really difficult and, you know, it was a very hard experience and I made it through. So I'm proud of myself. But beyond that, whatever money or prestige they receive from writing fiction, I've never 
really heard of anybody having a personal I, I, people have personal breakthroughs, but I don't think the personal breakthrough is ha- happiness oh, no. <laughs> or increased happiness. I mean, feel free to write to the podcast and or write to me and yes, let please. Me know podcast if- at carolinedonahue.com. Let us know how you yes. feel about this. We'd love to hear. Or I, I think it is a controversial statement to say that I've never heard of a fiction, a fiction helping people personally. Um, <laughs> yikes. Uh, but there's, tons of research that writing from personal experience, journaling, gratitude journaling, um, writing about personal memories does actually help. And, and those are listed in the ebook. And, um, you know, I often say that your desire to write is ancient. It's important and worth pursuing as part of your regimen of self acceptance and spiritual health. Um, I believe that writing, even if it's fiction, if you're fictionalizing things, which is what a lot of fiction writers do is fictionalize, um, actual things that happen to them, but that it's part of your, your mental hygiene (laughs) in my mind that we are writing storytelling animals. We want to be able to get this stuff out so that we feel like as if our the pressure of of the the memories that we have by getting them out i think we feel a sense of release and peace and is there is there something that so there's clearly something from getting it down and getting it out of your head and onto the page do the people in the course maybe find increased validation by doing that in community like doing it as part of the group class and if others see their work or do they feel like I'm good just having this in a drawer for myself? That's fascinating and a wonderful question. And I, my personal take on it of what I've seen is that some people are coming to the table because they want to, their ego wants to write a memoir and have that be seen by other people or write a short piece I think that that's not the focus of writing as a therapeutical therapeutic modality. Right. Um, I think that wanting to have validation for anything you do, whether it's a well-cooked meal or um, putting together a cute outfit is all great. But to me, I think that you should first and foremost always write um, just to get it on the page because anything else is ego and constricting. Um, and that's my personal opinion. I do believe that sharing, especially sharing in a very non-critical environment where there are, you know, not heavy rules, but just like do unto others kind of basic, um, golden rule (laughs) and one golden rule. Um, I think that can be amazingly therapeutic to even read it in front of somebody and have, be able to look at the look on their face or their eyes to just express it. And then I think it's the next step to have people connect to your work. And then I think it's even deeper to have somebody connect to your work and the way that you do it, the style by, by which you present your work, the words that you choose, um, the pacing, um, your maybe unconscious stylistic choices. So I absolutely think that people benefit from sharing their work. Um, But that's also part of the reason why I don't teach fiction is that in fiction writing, you have um, 
you know, fiction writing groups. And I also went to a lot of those in graduate school. And the truth is, is that I perceive fiction to be art. So therefore, what can I really say about somebody else's art? If that makes any sense. Like, to me, it's almost like everything and nothing is up for grabs. Um, Whereas with nonfiction, I can give specific feedback to kind of help somebody be a, um, give labor to their feelings, if that makes any sense, or give labor to their writing to help push, push them gently to give birth to whatever that is. Um, but then when the baby comes, I don't look at it and say, you know what, this baby isn't very cute. <laughs> like to me, all babies are cute. You know what I mean? It's, it's like all writing from personal experience is really great to me. Whereas fiction is the, the artistic choice where you may look at a piece of art and say, you know, my 12 year old, my 12 year old could have done that. My two year old could have done that. And to me, that's, um, a valid statement you can make towards art is that it can be, you can have preferences and artistic, um, aesthetic preferences. If that makes any sense. Yeah, like I like this type of novel. This type of novel is of interest to me. I enjoy it versus not versus, um, you know, something like, well, this is this person's experience. You can't say, well, that's not really their experience. Or what's your, or like, oh, that's too bad that happened to you. That's a weird thing that happened to you. (laughs) You know, that was, that was an, I mean, I believe that in nonfiction um, and in writing from personal experience, we can take the most basic thing, which might be eating a meal, wearing a pair of shoes, um, carrying a handbag or a briefcase. And each one of those can have memories attached to it, even though it's something we've all experienced that can be particular and interesting and beautiful and, and worth exploring. And, um, you know, then you have these super geniuses who have such amazing skills to be able to take those memories and actually expand that to 250 to 350 pages and, and tell the stories of other people and how they interacted with those people, their own story. And to me, that's the genius of kind of taking it to the next level. But to me, there is so much beauty in even these fragments of memory that people have from all over the world of a simple meal and, and what that meant to them and, and how those memories come back that to me, um, helping being or being a doula, <laughs> being, being helping people give birth to these memories and ideas is absolutely enough for me. And there are other people who can teach fiction and, more power to them. Yeah. So when you said a minute ago, there's that, that you're helping them like give labor to their feelings or their writing, like what's an example of something where you feel like you would want to guide them to go a bit further or that there's something where you feel like, okay, can you lean into it a little more? What would that kind of situation look like? Well, when I was in graduate school at San Francisco State University, I worked with a professor there named Nona Caspers. And I swear she is 
probably one of the smartest and most creative people I've ever met. And I just feel very lucky to have had the chance to study with her. And she would teach about um, this concept of hot spots, mm. which is a place of deep resonance in the writing. And I think that when you're a teacher, you're somebody who reads a lot or works a lot in terms of being a creative writing teacher, you start to sense where people, where there's lots of, um, where there's something deeper. It's almost like being the kind of person who can find water and, and dig wells. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're like, I know the well is right there. I think it's kind of a sixth sense of, you know, some people have superpowers that are very different of knowing where, you know, a machine's broken or, um, knowing how to fix a company, I tend to have the sense of um, reading somebody's work and truly feeling it to the point where I can notice where those hot spots are. And I think that comes from my training in graduate school of reading tons of work from other people. And you just kind of read it and you're like, whoa, that's something that you really need to get into. And it's more of a feeling than almost like an intellectual um, statement. But when you do have a conversation with somebody about, I'm trying to think of an example, um, why an area of their yard when they were growing up um, was scary to them. They could say, oh, and, and the side yard was just a really frightening place and I never went. And you, you read that and you go, why? I have to know why. There's something underneath those words that make it hot and kind of throbbing in the text. And you know that that's a place that the student should probably delve deeper yeah, it feels like when you're having a conversation maybe with somebody you've just met and then you say, oh, well, how did you get into doing that line of work? And they say something, sort of a toss away remark and then really want to move on from it. And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I feel like it's like that in the writing is sort of what the hotspot is that you're talking about. Absolutely. And I want to reiterate that while um, I went to graduate school and I learned that method from Nona Casper's. I think that it's something that other people are able to do um, just being aware of it. And you don't, you definitely do not need to go to a graduate program to be able to know how to read somebody's work like that. It's just a sensitivity. So I guess I would say over and over again that I am not a pro system kind of person. <laughs> I'm definitely on the outside and believe that writing should, especially from personal experience, should be available at a reasonable cost to everyone in terms of teaching, kind of like more like yoga, you know, um, than paying $750 to go and take a class at UCLA. Yeah. So I definitely believe in the democratization of writing and how, um, especially with the baby boomers starting to get much older, I, I, feel like as if there's such a huge opportunity for them to write about things that generations um, that will come after the millennials will never be able to understand. Like growing up most of your life without a cell phone. Yeah. Or just, you know, being born right after World War II and what it was like to have parents who'd lived through World War II and 
the depression, some of them. Or what it was like, and I think we're getting to the end of this, to grow up and not be able to vote. Yeah. And, and or never have seen somebody who looks like you be in a position of power. I think there's tons of stories out there that um, I hope don't get left behind and that I'd really love to see um, people using, whether it's, whether it's stunt running. And stunt running, just to bring it back, that's an idea of for a son is to interview, you know, people who are getting into their 70s, interview three different people from different backgrounds that are different from yours and um, help to capture these stories. That would be a way to get out into the community and do something, you know, push yourself a little further. Yeah, there's a huge potential, I think, for like social activism or social justice or just a way to make your world a bigger rather than smaller through writing. Cause I think in a lot of times we think of writing as something you do by yourself in a little ivory tower or the image I always have is of like in a, you know, Walden style cabin with, you know, a little coffee maker and a sleeping bag on a camp bed and there's nobody there and you're just going to write all alone. Mm -hmm. Um, and as we've heard from people who've been on the show, one person was on and said, I couldn't write a word when I went on a residency. Um, mm. She had a lot of ideas and came back and said, okay, I figured out the structure. But, but that some parts of writing are really about engaging more intensely with the outside world, um, but then putting your own unique stamp on it by, you know, it's your perspective of it as well. I believe that everybody deserves to be able to own their entire story, um, no matter what happens. And that um, if you take publication out of the equation when you're writing, um, I believe that you don't have to be necessarily honest to other people. You know, you can use fake names and whatnot if you're going to be publishing to protect people or protect yourself. But I do believe that you should be honest with yourself about what happened. And if you can't be honest with yourself about what happened, um, I, I think it starts to lead to a warping. Mm. You know, and I think that living in, in the society that we live in is that we're all, as you get older, you start to warp, you, you've, you just get more and more and more and more information and how that changes you. And I think sometimes we're trying to get back to the beginning and get back to a sense of clarity and get back to a sense of peace and get back to a place of understanding your childhood and all the things that happened um, in culture during the time that you were growing up and see the choices that were in front of you and, and you know, the paths you didn't take and the paths that you did. Um, God, I hate to say it, but like, you know, when they say the unexamined life isn't worth living, I don't know, I think it's still worth living, but I do think that if you want to be successful, um, in terms of being loved and understood, which I think are basic human, um, desires, I think that coming to terms with your life as a writer and coming to terms with your memory, memories, um, and your this strange um, time and place um, that you've been born into, I do think that it's a spiritual exercise beyond being, it's therapeutic and spiritual. So I think they're both very important. I think it's interesting too, the idea of writing to preserve memory, because 
I think I was just listening. What was I listening to? I think I was listening to Malcolm Gladwell's podcast and talking about the way that memory changes, that every time we access a memory, it's almost like it's represerved. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's interpreted. Like if you've forgotten about something for 20 years and then think about it, that memory is much closer than something you've remembered for the past 20 years and you think about often. Because it's mm-hmm. almost like every time you open it, there's like bits of the present or bits of your interpretation or you remember things or, or you've talked about it and that changes it just a little bit. So there is something attractive about getting it down and and being able to hold on to it. Or you're also kind of making an argument for memory being fiction. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and and obviously, I mean, I love fiction, but it's it's true. That's why you only have your one story and how you remember it, because somebody else's could be completely different and just as accurate. So um, it's interesting about that idea of accuracy in not nonfiction, clearly that's um, journalism, and that has to have a factual basis, um, an empirical basis. But that's why I don't really call it nonfiction. I call it personal experience Mm. or writing from personal experience, I think opens it up a lot more rather than even memoir. So which has a certain set of rules that appear to go along with that in terms of what people are expecting. And I think if you're at the beginning of your creative process, I mean, why say I'm writing a memoir unless you're super famous and you know it's going to sell um, or you were at some sort of place in history um, where it's important to call it by this um, very strict and heavy name. I kind of prefer the idea that this is my personal experience. It's something you can own and it's something you can change. I was just watching... Um, Uh, Being John Malkovich. Oh, yeah. And to me, that's the example of the level of flights of fancy that I'd like people to be able to feel willing to make. Because I would prefer for people to have complete and creative control over their own stories than to feel like as if they need to write something that sounds like the life of Napoleon or, you know... um, because we, we all know that, that no matter how you tell that story, it's, there's always a point of view. Yeah. But the process of stunt writing is trying to expand your point of view so that you can be a better writer. Absolutely. And then, yeah, I think that the important thing to take as a first step is first to figure out what your own hotspot might be in your life, what you might want to explore. Do you want to do some stunts to explore it? more Mm -hmm. fully and that primarily you start by doing this process for yourself and that that's the most important thing in the beginning and then if you decide you want to share it later then that's just another layer to the experience absolutely um but definitely for me and also finding people in your community through sharing that work that you feel comfortable communicating with about your past and your life and the, and the intimacy that comes from that, even that I've seen online, I've seen people um, become kind of best friends online and like support each other. And um, I think that support is a kind of love and it's, 
I, I truly believe that a lot of the problems that we have in society is not from listening or understanding each other. When you find a community where people are willing to tell their stories and people are willing to listen, I think we get a little bit closer to the best parts of humanity. Definitely. Well, this has been amazing to talk about and really exciting. And I hope people are inspired to to jump in and start thinking about stunts. And then again, we should tell everybody this will be in the show notes. So if you're driving, don't endanger yourself by trying to write this down. But um, people can find you at memoirclass.com. And then where can they go to get the ebook and all the goodies that you're putting together just for the show? Um, I am going to put um, the Mind Body series. You can read some of that. The Field Guide to Stunt Writing. And also if you sign up for my email um, newsletter, which I think comes out maybe once a month, maybe twice a month, um, never more than that, you get the free 18-page Spark and Flow Creativity ebook, which has the essay that quotes all of the great health studies that are coming out about um, how writing is this incredible therapeutic modality. And that'll be at memoirclass.com backslash the secret library. Yay. So thank you so much for doing that for everybody. I know that'll be a great chance to dive deeper for anyone who does have personal experiences they want to write about. I think this is a great thing for people to start to think about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thanks again to Muse Monthly for sponsoring the show. I found them because I was a subscriber, so I definitely encourage you all to check them out. They focus on contemporary adult fiction with a an emphasis on literary fiction from debut writers. So it's a wonderful way to find a new book um, because I know everybody loves to read. So check them out, musemonthly.com. And remember the code is secret00, all one word, all caps to get 10% off your subscription. Thank you for listening to the Secret Library Podcast. The show is produced by me, Caroline Donahue, and Frederick Barry McWilliams Jr., my tireless audio engineer. To get show notes for this episode and all other episodes, please visit secretlibrarypodcast.com. To get updates, literary love, and notification when new episodes are posted, sign up there for Footnotes, my newsletter. And to learn about life coaching with me to work on building your writing life, visit carolinedonahue.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Gold stars to everybody who leaves a rating and review on iTunes. We're so grateful. Until next time, happy reading.